Good morning. Happy New Year. Next time we see each other, it will be a new year, so I'm getting that out of the way. Uh, well, listen, this morning, our worship time has been, I would say, reflective. It's been pondering. It's been praiseworthy as worship should be, inherently should be. And uh, what I hoped would happen this morning is something that I foresee a little bit in the future for us because we have, um, we're starting to get better at some of our calendar cycles here at Faith. It's taken us a little while to figure some of these things out. And so we have to put a few things predictably in our schedule in order to do them well. That's just the nature of busy ministry. And so uh, probably close to a couple of years ago, um, we instilled a uh, fifth Sunday family service. So every time a, a fifth Sunday comes around once a quarter, we invite the kids to come and be with us to take naps in the soft chairs and to um, see how the big people do big church and stuff and to introduce them to that um, style and the framework. And most of the time we try to tweak our teaching just a little bit to incorporate what they're learning in the gospel project. And so as I was thinking about this, I'm looking at our calendar coming and I'm going, okay, I've got four family Sundays built into the calendar. We're going to be thinking about doing something different. Maybe what we should do is do something that I heard us promoting uh, and saw the leadership team promoting earlier this year when our transition uh, phase started launching in the life of the church. The one word that they um, put out and put before us, I think most predominantly was the word Selah, which is in Hebrew most often understood as being a pause used in musical expression or poetry. You see it in the Psalms where it's, it's the word Selah, just pause, reflect think about that. Last week when uh, we were introducing the sermon, we got to see a year in review from a news caption. And it was from 2018. We had to blow the dust off of some of the old news stories and things. But isn't it amazing how the recall of that puts you right back in the place and you start answering questions like, how did we survive that? How did we ever come to agreement with this or that? Or how did those things work out? You start to see things in review and it starts pointing to the fact that there is a God that holds things together in his own way and in his own timing. And you and I get to go along for the ride. We get to witness the entire thing. And so as I was thinking about this opportunity we have on the counter, I was thinking maybe what we do going forward is build in times of Selah, that we, that we as a congregation remember what are the things that the Lord has done in our midst what are the things that he's tapping us on the shoulder saying, that's the direction we're going. I want you to join me. Which, how do we start moving in that direction with him? Who are some of the, the people that are hearing that calling and sharing that? And so it's an opportunity for you to be more informed as to where the church is going. It's an opportunity for you to meet some of the, the leaders of ministry that are happening here, perhaps. It's an opportunity for you to be more engaged in what the Lord is doing for his kingdom through Faith Church in Waterville. So then my mind started going in all kinds of, I mean, the last few weeks, my brain's just exploding with, with ideas. And I promise I'll be calm. I have a good team of people around to keep me strapped down so that we do this patiently and with pace. But I'm thinking about all these things and I'm going, well, now I don't want to wait till March, which would be when our fifth Sunday is. And I was thinking, we've got a fifth Sunday today. We're finishing 2019. It's a good opportunity for us to do a year in review. And I don't have a cool video for you like we saw last week. I can't sum this up in five minutes. It's going to take me about 30. So just warning you now. But it's an opportunity for us to rewind the clock and see what has the Lord done 
in our midst. And it feels a little bit like a family Christmas letter. You get them. Some of you do a great job sending them out. I've received many of your family letters. Your families look great. Your stories are very encouraging. It's very awesome. And then sometimes people send out the letters that, you know, uh, all four kids graduated in honor roll at Harvard. The dog won the Frisbee catching championship. All these like our Christmas letters, our family letters are glossing over so often of all the greatest things. No one's sending out family letters that's saying, you know, transmission died on the car again for the third time. Um, my kids haven't spoken to me in a month. You know, all those kinds of like those aren't the things that we write and brag to the world. This is what's going on in my life. How about yours? We present often the best sides of things that we want people to know or to see. Now, if a church isn't careful, we can do the same thing. We can present to you all the pretty parts, all the pieces that you think, okay, church is going great. But the church is by design, by God's institution and by the instruction of scripture, it is a living, breathing organism, a family full of ups and downs, good parts and ugly parts, things that work, things that are terrible, things that were a fun experience, things that were a train wreck. This is part of the life of a church, a New Testament Bible-believing church. And so my attempt this morning, or my intent, I should say, is not to gloss over and ignore the fact that this was a very trying year in the life of faith. Some things that you experienced and felt going through, some things that leadership did, perhaps behind closed doors and all those things, but but I can tell you with, with all honesty that there was no intention to make it look like, oh, don't worry about anything, everything's going real smooth. And it's amazing how cynical people we can get when they see something being done. They go, I bet that's not what they feel or what they think. And what I was so encouraged by going through this process of transition is that everybody in the, in the places that the Lord put them was really looking at this from a matter of integrity and honesty before the Lord. And it's something we all came through together. What you saw is what was really going on. And that's pretty cool to be able to see. But as a church, we experienced all kinds of things. We had losses. We had gains. We had dips in attendance. We had dips in giving. We had uh, a resurgence to our uh, attendance. We had a resurgence to our giving. We had questions about leadership decisions. We had leadership questioning themselves about decisions. We had all those kinds of things because this is, as I said, a family. It's a church. It's made up of imperfect people doing the best they can before the Lord. Our year started off, not necessarily in the calendar year, but in our mental kind of, where did the year start off? Our year started off with a very big announcement that our fearless leader, our very capable Pastor Bill, after 29 years of ministry, was retiring at the end of April. And he announced that for us before winter was over so that we would know how to get ready for that and that we would be prepared for that. And the great thing about the way all of that played out is that we got to provide a celebration, a, a sending off that was was just uh, worthy of the time and the service and and the, the call that he had and, and the work that has been done in this church so that everybody felt like this was really something to participate in. This was really something to see and to send him off with. And that was a real highlight. And it was difficult to imagine how can it get better than this? To be able to celebrate and have it go so well. And this is the beginning of the year. We got a lot of year ahead of us. And what that did for us is, as I alluded to a minute ago, 
is it launched a search process, a discernment team. We did a health assessment survey where so many of you got back to us with feedback. You weighed in on these are the things that the church can improve upon. These are the things that we love about our church. These are the things that we don't ever want to see change from our church. And we got the voice and the feedback from the people. That's a new era for us. That's a new activity for us. It was a new reason and a cause to do something like that. And praise be to the Lord, the response was great. Our connect groups, what we name our small groups, were visited, they were interviewed, they were ministered to, they were they were heard. All of that was part of a process that none of us could anticipate or foresee how it would go, how long it would go, what the real process would look like. And yet the Lord started moving the pieces of involvement and community. And ironically, all the things that the survey was revealing were very important to us as a church. And the Lord said, well, I'm going to build that in the midst of the process. Why wait for it to be one person's vision? Why wait for it to be something that will fit on a slide or three points or something? We're going to do this now. We're going to start working on this now. As a result, we uh, changed up our membership format a little bit. Rather than doing our typical day and our typical times, we switched it all up, changed a little bit of the flow, and Pastor Ben led two very successful rounds of Next Steps classes that saw over 60 people join the church this year. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible because what's in, what's important about that is it's not so much just I took some classes and I checked off a box and said now I'm a member at faith. I didn't just join a club. What I did was I, w- I grew in my understanding of what it means to be a functioning, responsible church member. I studied some extra things. I learned a little bit more doctrine. I got a greater um, awareness of what's going on in, in under the roof of my church and even beyond its walls. And at the end of all that, I signed a covenant that says, these are the things I care about. These are the things I promise to uphold to support the ministry of the church. And 60 plus people came forward to do that this year. Actually, more came forward and only, uh, only uh, I say only, but 60 were able to finish while we have others that will catch the next rounds coming. Now, something that's been a part of the lifeblood in the annual calendar here at Faith in the Summer is baptism services. And year after year, we've always been so um, encouraged and, and moved by the stories and the, and the changes that are happening in people's lives. And so we went into this season going, we're in a state of chaos, upside downy, topsy turvy sort of stuff. We don't know what to expect. Our, our, our attendance was starting to do this a little bit. I don't know which way you look at your charts. Maybe I should do it this way. It was starting to dip. And we're like, oh, maybe we should set our expectations a little lower. Let's not be depressed. This is a season of transition. And still 20 people were baptized this summer. And the testimonies of what the Lord is doing through. The, I know you want to clap, don't you? You have membership and baptism. <laughs> I can hear a smattering. They're just like, come on, give me something to give me room. There you go. Every once in a while, I'll let you, let's not treat this like a state of the union where every half sentence is an applause interruption, okay? And so we were greatly moved and encouraged to see that all of those people were seeing the Lord reach down and disciple them and change their lives and put them on a path to committing publicly to following him. And that's what baptism represents and that's what it accomplished. We saw a lot of shifts in ministry in various areas of ministry. We we did more than just survive a uh, a shakeup in our leadership for women's ministry. We lost a leader this year and the Lord had several others ready to step in and handle all the different pieces so that women's ministry is now thriving and growing beyond our wildest expectations. 
For years now, we've been uh, uh, doing a worship team environment that has shared the responsibility and the leadership, and the Lord has been raising up Gus Moen uh, to be a, a great right-hand man for me in so many ways, and and certainly with his musical gifting and his leadership presence and, and things, so that when I needed to walk uh, away from the worship team to focus on pulpit ministry, it uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to use a pun, the, the band didn't miss a beat. And you see what I did there? Maybe some of you, I think I need to spell this out. Yeah, thanks. All right. Like I said, it's a family. Things are going to be awkward and uncomfortable. I'm a dad. I'm always making my kids awkward and feeling awkward and uncomfortable. And so those things have just moved smoothly and have been such a key and critical part of our Sunday morning experience and one that I know that you all value greatly. Uh, behind closed doors, I've mentioned this in some of our membership meetings that we've had this year, but behind closed doors, near and dear to my heart, have been the changes that the staff has been willing to make. When you lose someone like Pastor Bill, you don't just go down a person. You know, those are, uh, this will catch you off guard and you'll be surprised to hear but they're very big shoes to fill. And you don't tell them I said that. <clears throat> But, you know, to figure out how to do that and to move all of the, um, all, all the pieces around and, and experiencing that, uh, was something that came with great patience from our staff, the willingness to do whatever was required of them. And right now, as it stands, there's nobody on our staff that is doing just what they were originally hired for. Doing just what their job description said, and we promise we'll keep you in these lanes and that kind of thing. Most of that has blown up. So even in the midst of them taking on new responsibilities, their current ministries, the thing that we brought them to the team to do, have been flourishing and growing profoundly. I want to mention, too, that just as we focus on some other pockets of ministry, some other areas, uh, another place that's near and dear to my heart that I would really love to see us put more time, energy, and attention into is our ministry to our seniors. We have two of the coolest named ministries amongst our seniors. We have, for our men's group, we have the Over the Hill Gang. So that's pretty cool, right? You got to be able to be up front with where you're at in life. The Over the Hill Gang. And then our ladies are the Amazing Greys. And they came up with that name, not me. I wasn't saying, hey, you know what you should call yourselves? No, that was their name. But they, under the leadership of, of Pastor Ron Stevens, under Maureen Anderson, have, have grown, have stayed structured and steady and stable. And it would be my hope and, and my wish in 2020 going forward is to do the things that, that help incorporate that age group and minister to them more personally, profoundly, to let them know. I mean, the churches are so guilty, and, I, and I'm tempted to, too. Churches are so guilty on going after the young folks and doing everything you can to reach young families and all that kind of stuff that oftentimes those that are in that senior age range feel a little bit like that used to be my church. And and I want to tell you, I, just as a bragging kind of thing, that the seniors of this church have never, ever made us feel like that. They're the ones with the hands in the air when the volume's turned up loud. They're the ones clapping along with all the worship and everything like that. And so because of that, I just want to make sure that we're not taking that for granted because they make it so easy to, to build a church environment that they don't act needy in that sense. But I think we can do more. Um, also, our connect groups, our small group ministry um, has has not dipped at all, has maintained over 20 small groups meet each and every week, which is only just a portion of Pastor Ben's responsibilities here as the Connect Group pastor. And so um, the, all of those things are happening, which encompass nearly 50% of the worship attendance here on Sunday. 
If you look at the national averages of what churches are doing with small groups, if they had 30%, they'd feel like our small group ministry is growing. People are connecting. And for year after year after year, faith has seen nearly 50% of the people that come to church here are active in small groups. That's important because that's where we believe your greatest opportunity for discipleship and community is going to take place. Now, for several years, I, I'm sorry, Jake, I'm going to lose track of the time, but for, for a couple of years at least, um, Jake Marku and his wife Lindsay have done an amazing job leading our young adult community that we've called The Vine, which meets um, at least uh, twice a month, but they also have different friendships and outings and other things that happen, and that ministry continues to grow. Jake's always looking at ways to, to help it evolve and to strengthen and to incorporate that age group in the church. You have the same issue there on the younger side as you do the older challenges and incorporation based on stage of life and distraction and interest and things. And we're seeing the adults coming out of the vine community, just stepping up to serve in the church, to being available and being willing to minister in the community and things. And this is trickling down to Pastor Gary's work in the youth group, where not only are they outside the walls doing various acts of service, Pastor Gary is actually on a high school campus on a regular basis, leading a Bible study in that in that um, secular context. But they're serving in their community out there, but they're serving and stepping up here. We're seeing it on display this morning as you were greeted on your way in by uh, uh, individuals from the, the well ministry. But we've had them a part of our worship team and everything. The, the life of the teens and what they bring to the life of the church has always been extremely important to us. It really keeps us young and keeps us focused on some of the things that that need to be thought through. So, And then lastly, I'm just going to mention here on this aspect of these ministries is what um, uh, Miss Janet has done with Faith Kids. As I mentioned, we've thrown so many things in her direction, so many administrative things that she's helped me out with personally, outreach things that she's um, just jumped right into. And yet at the same time, our kids' ministries continue to run um, uh, fabulously. We have a great team of, of support and leaders, those of you that are teaching and just making yourself available for all of that area. So these are the things that inside the walls of the church, underneath the physical roof of faith, these are the things that the Lord has held together. We had every excuse for all of those things or many of those things to start just dissipating, falling apart, have seeing some of the wheels start to wobble, even if it wasn't an outright failure, many of those things could have been noticed and felt by all of us. And yet, at least from my vantage point, they have not been. But the church isn't just about what we do in here. The church isn't just for us. This isn't just a place for us to come, feel safe, comfortable, ministered to. It is all for the purpose of you and I going and advancing the kingdom of Jesus Christ outside these walls, impacting our community, either through uh, events, either through various forms of outreach, but even most uh, prominently and importantly through our character and the sharing of our faith in testimony of what the Lord has done and changed our hearts. Several years ago, we started working with um, pastors in the area, like-minded evangelical pastors, to develop a One Hope initiative that was going to address the needs of addiction, the family crisis of, of, of parental either neglect or needing help to take care of their kids so that it wouldn't lead to something like abandonment or adoption, and then also dealing with the things of employment issues that are so prominent in our state. 
And so the One Hope Initiative, in partnership with our friendly uh, churches in the area, we decided to launch Celebrate Recovery um, Ministries here at our church, and several others are, are entertaining that and trying to do the same. Safe Families is a is a program that you've heard a lot about lately that is intervening in the lives of families to to bring help and assistance so that the family doesn't need to split. That is the goal of keeping them together, all the while relying on God's people to be God's people for people in crisis. And then this last October, we had the Better Work Job Fair, which brought willing uh, employers to people seeking jobs. But we wanted to do so in a way that the church and the gospel could do. We can pray for them. We can be enthusiastic. We can help hold their hand if they need some assistance with meeting the employer. We can pray over the businesses for their success to improve our economy in this area. All of those things were on display that you will not get in a regular job fair. And the feedback was overwhelming. We were local in our neighborhoods. We were in uh, all different streets in the city, but in particular, we were in the south end of Waterville. We did a worship uh, concert, which included a barbecue and a movie for the kids later that night and, and continued to instill the relationships that we have with the residents in Waterville, starting to recognize the same names and faces and having these conversations again. We participated in many of the other outreach um, type issues and type uh, uh, opportunities that, that we did in partnership with the police department and other things like that. Faith was very present visually in the community this year. But we didn't stay here. We didn't stay home. We emphasized a lot of what I refer to as arms reach missions. The kind of things that we can do when people are right in our reach and we can, we can share the gospel with them then, but we also sent our, our money and our people abroad. We made an impact in foreign missions as well. And this year was a little bit different for us. We saw some shakeup and some change. The Valentines came back under the Lord's leading from Kosovo to, to be with us. And we are, of course, happy to receive them. I think we put them to work before their feet hit the tar. Um, we were happy to have them back, but at the same time, uh, walking through that with them as a big part of their life, a huge part of their calling was shutting down based on the Lord's timing. And so walking through that with them, but this church has just welcomed them back with open arms and, and helped them also to not skip a beat and to dive right in. We received a visit from the Bruces who serve in Ecuador. We had a very engaging, compelling visit from Chris Nanakin from Christar, who is Dr. Chris is one of our great um, uh, 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 leaders in the uh, global missions movement and helps us understand where we're going and what to look at. We also um, assisted Haiti in the midst of a very difficult political situation, a very dangerous situation, what Haiti's going through now. And and quite regularly, many of our faithful people make short-term trips to Haiti to uh, help with the medical supplies and the health training and those sorts of things, all in the context of the local church and giving out the gospel. And this year, those opportunities were drying up because it wasn't safe to go to Haiti. And so we were able to still navigate the funding and make sure that the right recipients received uh, the funding that we had promised to that to that nation, and those things were realized and 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 beneficial. We sent Bev Fairchild and Janet Johnson to Ireland, not on vacation, but because Ireland has a model for uh, at least some of these ministries in Ireland have a model for street ministry and homeless shelters and those sorts of things that were very intriguing to us. Bev came back after the first year saying, you got to check this out. I'm going back. And so when she went back, she brought Janet with her. 
because it's very much on our radar screen to minister in the streets of our city to the least of these to people that don't have it all figured out or all the resources that many of us do. So just in trying to stay open to Lord, what do you have for us in that future? How can we, how can we benefit from that? We, we serve the homeless shelter in Solon for women because that's our sister church there near and dear to our heart. We, we serve it, um, financially to a great degree. Many of you organize teams to go up there and help with some of the maintenance and the cleaning and the Bible study and things and make relationships with those women. And uh, and then also, as I mentioned, the Fairchilds have opened the door for us again to get back into the Waterville homeless shelter and to serve the meals and to have one on one relationships. And many of you are starting to participate in that when they put the call out for either food supplies or resources. You you we we have traffic now all week long in the church, people coming. All right. This is for the Fairchilds. This is for the shelter. This is for and then donating those things. And then many of you are taking the time once a month or twice a month to go and be with the people, to cook the food and to serve it. These are the things that are happening out there in our arms reach mission. I mentioned Jake Marku earlier, and he has a ministry now in three college campuses, two of them right in our backyard, reaching uh, kids for Christ, reaching uh, the thinking mind for the reason for the gospel, the reason why we serve the Lord that we serve to great effect. Jeff Dion, from the man you heard from earlier in our announcements, is not just Faith's men's ministry leader. We have sent him out as a missionary of sorts to be a men's ministry engager for churches in the state of Maine. And Man in the Mirror has since said he's kind of good at this, and so they've put him over a, a larger territory and region to help oversee. And Jeff is currently engaged with at least 75 churches in the state of Maine to help them experience the discipleship community that you can build in a church like we have here. And a lot of churches are looking for that kind of thing. We've had our, our one-time events. We had thousands of people come through here at the end of October for Trunk or Treat. They experienced the smiles and the, and the candy, need I say, and, and just the compassion that comes from God's people as they walk through these buildings. We had an incredible night at the beginning of the calendar uh, year in February that's coming right around the corner. You already heard an announcement today in Night to Shine. We had 200 of our own people rally together to serve in this amazing event to welcome the special needs community in for a prom like night uh, like environment to encourage not only the attendees, but their caregivers as well. And what I love about this, we don't get to talk about this that much when it comes to the, the point of this event. I mean, the serving in the special needs uh, community is, is, is amazing anyway. Any of you that have had that experience, it's, it's really incredible. It's moving. Uh, at the moment that uh, we had our guests coming in that night, we were all just kind of like, okay, that hit me by surprise. Where are my tears coming from? We were all just broken down and just having a blast. It was amazing. It was beautiful. That part is amazing. But here's what I... Here's what needed to be presented to me that I didn't get at first. We say all the time as a conservative evangelical church that we care for the life of the unborn, that we value the fact that we are all born and made in the image of God. And so each person, whether they have full capabilities or lacking some, whether they've born in, in, in riches or in poverty, whether they live in the great country of America or they're born somebody uh, somewhere else with much different circumstances, that we say every life has value. But when it comes to that particular community, there's a decision that's often made at birth time to say that's not the kind of life I was welcoming into this world. 
we have an opportunity with these types of ministry um, moments, if you will, to continue to promote the fact that we're not only are we pro-life, not only do we believe that everyone, even those that are in the womb, are made in the image of God, but we can put our time, our efforts, our compassion, our money where our mouth is and serve that community and bridge some of those gaps and reach those areas. This is what the Lord has done at faith in 2019, where it should have been up and down and all squirrely and all confusing and sort of like, oh, I don't really want to do this anymore. We don't even know which direction we're going. All those kinds of things we could have had a million excuses, yet the Lord held everything together. The things that we didn't see happen are a praise and a testimony to the Lord. The things that, that could have happened that didn't. And certainly we're not done. Certainly there's a lot more to fix. There's things that we have to address now that the dust has settled on transition a little bit. We've got to fix a few things. We've got to address some, some, some gaps, if you will. And, and one of them would be particularly big on my mind right now is staffing and getting the help that we need and, and all those kinds of things. And the Lord's been very gracious to us to give us good ideas there and, and opportunity. But the, there, there are more changes to come. And it's with that, because I can, I can sense that you're getting a little comfortable and tired. I have an announcement to make. There, see? Just got your attention. It, it's an amazing. I don't have to yell. I have an announcement to make. Uh, the announcement is, is that tonight, uh, our sister church in Solon, right up the road, 45 minutes or so, that we love and care for deeply, um, who has been without a pastor since the beginning of this year because Pastor Tim Hunt died suddenly, leaving them without that kind of direction. They've been doing an amazing job. We've got great leadership with the Philpots and others up there. Um, but they've been patiently desiring and seeking for a pastor with a lot of interviews and things. Well, wouldn't it matter? Wouldn't it just figure that our own Pastor Ben got the bug? And uh, so, yes, I think that's worth applauding. Although, I'll tell you, when he first sat in my office several weeks ago, this was before we had a, a vote on the senior pastor role and everything, and um, and he let me know that he had been in conversation with them. And uh, I made the mistake. I made the very critical management mistake one time of there's several of our guys that have been faithful to go up and help fill the pulpit up in Solon. Uh, Jeff Cucci and Blaine Bacon. And so along the way, they said, do you mind if we ask Pastor Ben? And I was like, well, he's got a lot to do on Sundays, but maybe once in a while wouldn't be a bad idea. What an idiot move that was on my part. Because <laughs> then he came back and said, I love those people. They really need somebody and I want to step in and help. This is not a move he needs to make. This is not one that makes it more comfortable on his family or any of those sorts of things. This is not one that comes lightly. And so it was for all those reasons that I was just like, I had a mixed reaction. One was, you punk. I had big plans for us <laughs> going forward. Uh, but secondly, uh, it was really thrilled that uh, not only does my brother, one of my closest friends in life, really get a great opportunity to really be a blessing to a group of people, because as you know, he has that ability to be a blessing, um, but also for our friends and our family up in Solon who have just gone through a terrible year, very trying time. And, and he had said, well, they might be, you know, discussing whether or not to vote me. I said, if they get an opportunity for Ben Franklin, they're voting him in. I said, you mark my words. So that'll happen tonight. 
And uh, I just wanted to take this opportunity. There was no good time to announce this. I looked at the service a million different ways, and I'm like, I don't know how to do this. But I thought perhaps in retrospect of the goodness that the Lord has done and the way he's held our church together and he's kept all the pieces formed and, and fitted for him, that maybe it would be the right opportunity then to mention him in that context. Um, Pastor Ben's been so instrumental to us in areas like, as I mentioned, our small group leadership. He has led the entire baptism process, which is not just a one day a year event. This is months worth of organizing and scheduling and planning and follow up and everything. He has also done the same amount of work, if not more, for our membership process, which is I, which I just got done saying was a record year for us for adding members. And so those key areas are going to be greatly missed. Fortunately, they're not 100% vanishing right away. Um, he's going to be helping us on a part-time basis as the church is not able to hire him full-time up there. Um, but also, we still need his help, and he's willing to do that and offered that right out of the gate. Um, so we'll be using him for a couple of days a week, perhaps, for the for the coming months. But it does mean that you won't be seeing him much anymore on a Sunday morning because they need his presence and time up there. So the parts that I miss, will miss the most about um, Ben will be the things that I think don't show up on a resume, don't show up on paper. That's his approachability, um, his very uh, kind personality, and uh, his, he's invested in people very quickly. Um, that's why you're all able to approach him and be encouraged by him. And I haven't had uh, as big a cheerleader in the halls of this church as I've had from from Pastor Ben. So um, I, it's like I said, I wanted to smack him and hug him all at the same time. But I really, really uh, get it. The Lord is is uh, is giving us an opportunity to develop people to send them to the thing that the Lord's leading them to next. And I think this is something that bridges some of the distance and the gap with our sister church in Solon that we've had a heart for to help. But now we're going to have eyeballs and a heart on the inside to let us know how we can really be available to those folks and help even more because they're so kind and gracious. They don't want to trouble us. They know we've been going through our own stuff this year. And so we think that that will help in that regard as well. I'm going to ask Pastor Ben to come on up. And uh, I, I didn't cry for a service, and I won't now. But I'm going to pray for you and with you. And uh, at some point, we want to hear from you. So let's pray. Lord, I just want to thank you, God, for Pastor Ben. I thank you, Lord, for constantly looking out for the needs of this church. And it was so clearly represented in bringing us this this guy who had so much different uh, world experience and had a new fresh calling on his life and and was was raw in a lot of ministry ways, but was somebody that really brought a lot of maturity and wisdom to our team early on years ago. And Lord, you've got him uh, in a place where he's listening to your call. He's willing to do what you lead him into next. And so we can't be prouder of that. I pray, Lord, that as uh, he moves forward, I pray you develop him, uh, make him uh, the man of God. He he continues to dream to be the one that you want him to be, the one we all know he is and is capable of even improving upon. I pray that the uh, recipients in Solon would be so eager and blessed to receive him. We do pray, Lord, for the results of the vote. We know, Lord, that that uh, what they should do, it's pretty obvious to us. 
But Lord, if they don't, um, we trust in your plan as well. We selfishly would like to have more time with him. And if that ends up being the case, then so be it. But Lord, we just want to see your kingdom advance in the way that it's meant to. And we think this is an, a huge part of being able to do just that. So Lord, uh, send he and his family uh, with your blessings. And uh, may we be even closer to this ministry as a result of loving the Franklins and wanting to know how they're doing as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me just wrap up by saying, and yes, you can punch him on the way out. So, you know, hug him as he would say to us, give him lots of money or something like that, you know. But this allows us to kind of get to the point where we're looking forward. I just want to give you a heads up on where I think Sundays will go for the next month or so. Um, next week, you know, we've got another Sunday that's still fresh in the new year, and I plan to teach and preach on something um, that uh, will be focused on that. This morning was very different and unique. It wasn't a sermon per se, but we will be, of course, doing that. This isn't a shift in that. Uh, on the 12th, we have the installation service coming up at 9.30. You heard that in the announcement. It's a time shift and change. What I'd like to do on the heels of the installation service, if you would all be patient with me, is I'd like to roll out each week for probably three Sundays, if the Lord wills, what I see as our opportunities and our vision as a church going forward. And then once we've concluded that area and got some of those things off and running, we want to return to our study in Second Corinthians. There's great material coming up, controversial material. Can I tease that a little bit? Now you're all intrigued. Um, and so we'll be getting to that before the winter is out and continuing our process of expository preaching with occasional breaks from time to time as the Lord uh, lays it on our heart and we see fit to be able to do that. Um, we will, of course, need some pulpit assistance throughout the year, so be praying for that. Look for a way to encourage um, the people that we're bringing in to help us out with that. I think that that's a great growth for our church, and it trickles down like dominoes for opportunities for so many people to take a bigger step in their ministry with what the Lord's calling them to do. And what I hope to do in these messages coming forward is to um, tackle key areas of opportunity that we have in, like what I just said, in leadership development, in communication improvements. That was something that we heard loud and clear through the process. And also address some of the cultural shifts and changes that are not just going on outside in the world. We know that we're strong here at Faith on teaching about how to respond to those things. But what cultural shifts and changes do we as a church necessarily need to go through in the coming season. And it's with that that I intend to lead us in through God's word and to uh, bring us into the future of those things, hopefully in the calendar year ahead. I'm going to leave us with one passage of scripture that's for whatever reason keeps coming to mind over these last several weeks. Um, I didn't find it with that intention. I found it with uh, just a, a verse of scripture I wanted to start memorizing. And perhaps that's what the Lord put on my heart that might be something that we think about going forward. Ephesians 3, verses 20 through 21. Paul writes, now to him, I want to pause on him. He is the theme of everything else that we hope to talk about, to plan our ministry around, to express our service around. He is the the subject of our Christmas letter all through every paragraph. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. 
I think that's very, very important for us to take some time and pray about that. Lord, you mean the things I can't even imagine. You mean the things I don't even think to get off my tongue. You have the ability to do those things according to your will. Because it says, according to the power at work within us. And the power at work within us is one for his glory. So therefore, verse 21 says, to him be glory in the church. Let's say that again. To him be glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, what we will continue to do at faith is build the generations one after the next to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to trumpet his praises forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and let's close our time in prayer. Lord God, thank you for the time around uh, just the review of this year. Thank you, Lord, for encouraging us, reminding us all the things that you've done, things that you've put into, into motion, things for your kingdom, for your glory, for your service. I pray, Lord, that we would enter into 2020 available. Lord, I don't know any other word right now other than just available, available to hear your spirits leading, available to let our minds be saturated with the word of God, available to let our hearts be challenged in even ways, ways that are even uncomfortable for us, but to remain available. Show us, Lord, what you'd have for us. Turn this, this city upside down as a result of our presence here. Turn this state upside down as a result of our influence. Lord, do the things that impact your kingdom for your cause and for your glory. Through us, we beg you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.